In today's episode of Crypto Over Coffee, we're talking about the Bitcoin news that has people worried about what's to come for the price of BTC. But that's not all. We've got news about NFTs hitting rock bottom, a path to sustainable Bitcoin mining, a huge update to the Arbitrum, Ethereum Layer 2, and more brought to you today by SmartFi. That said, you know the drill. Grab yourself a coffee, make sure you are subscribed, and stick around for the entire episode today. And please be aware of scammers. I will not reach out to you on social media, on chat apps, or in the YouTube comments. Please be safe. And thank you to Red Rooster Coffee for the coffee today, not sponsored. Now, lately, I've been getting quite a few messages and comments across various platforms about a handful of Bitcoin news stories or narratives that have people really concerned that maximum pain might be ahead for Bitcoin's price. So I decided to lay out these concerns and give my take on what the net effect of these might be. First and foremost, you have the fact that the US dollar has continued its strong positive trend line with the US dollar index DXY, which measures the relative strength of the dollar relative to a group of foreign currencies hitting its highest measure in nearly two decades. When the, high, when the dollar starts rising strongly right in history, Bitcoin and other risk assets like it tend to suffer. It's a strong inverse correlation. Unfortunately, as the Federal Reserve's aggressive fight against inflation rages on, many analysts are predicting the dollar's strong performance to continue for quite a while longer yet before running out of steam. And that bodes negatively for Bitcoin. Pair that with the relative unease about the upcoming inflation numbers that will be released mid-month here in September, you have some real worry from a macroeconomic perspective. If CPI numbers come back higher than last month and we haven't reached that peak, prepare for some serious panic responses in the markets, both crypto and equities. However, there are also two other non-macroeconomic narratives that are striking fear into the minds of Bitcoin holders and crypto investors alike. And one of those is the impending release of the long lost Mt. Gox Bitcoin exchange assets that have been embroiled in a long legal proceeding since that exchange went upside down years ago. This legal proceeding pertains to 140,000 BTC, according to reports, which can be claimed by those affected by the exchange hack at some point in time. Now, the running concern here is that derivative of a court document that started making its round on Twitter and it started this rumor, and it's that 140,000 of these Bitcoin were going to start getting released to claimants in September, and that this was going to cause a cascading sell pressure event and tank Bitcoin. This was the rumor. The truth is, though, that the court document did not say anywhere that this was going to happen. And this is really just the beginning of the process to release these coins, and it will likely happen over time, not all at once. When the coins do get released, it may cause temporary sell pressure, but we're talking about a single digit percentage worth of the Bitcoin changing hands during normal market cycles, even if all this Bitcoin gets released over that period of time. It's not enough, in my opinion, to single handedly crash the market, even if it were all released and sold mostly at once, which will not happen, by the way. I think the Mt. Gox fears are unfounded, and I haven't seen any indication that this is something to be concerned about, to be quite honest. Nothing to me yet, and I'll keep an eye on it. In a similar vein, however, after news broke that the District of Columbia had sued MicroStrategy CEO Michael Saylor, or former CEO, I think, and MicroStrategy, the company, in relation to purported tax evasion, 
many started speculating about whether Sailor or MicroStrategy, who hold nearly as many Bitcoin as this reported 140,000 in the Mt. Gox case, would be forced to sell Bitcoin on the market to cover their obligations in the case, or other Bitcoin dumping related catastrophes of the like. Again, this is something that when paired with the Mt. Gox sell pressure, macroeconomic headwinds that we talked about and more, yes, it would really suck if it came to fruition and MicroStrategy were forced to market dump. However, I find it rather unlikely that suddenly all several hundred thousands of, of Bitcoin held in Mt. Gox and MicroStrategy's coffers are just going to get dumped on the market all at once in one confluence event. And it's even far from certainty that MicroStrategy is going to have to drop Bitcoin at all. In fact, there are actually rumors swirling around that the company has already sold off a bunch of Bitcoin, though no confirmation has been made there to my knowledge. Here's the bottom line from my perspective. I think there are many reasons to be concerned about the near to midterm price outlook for Bitcoin. There's probably pain ahead, especially given the macroeconomic conditions that we're in right now. But I don't think that the Gox or MicroStrategy situation are, in isolation, something people should be panicked about. I feel that institutional buyers will gobble up any opportunity to buy heavily discounted Bitcoin anyway, should that arise, depending on the level of discount. It's my belief that we'll see Bitcoin bottom here through this storm, maybe this year, maybe early next. So yes, could there be, be pain ahead? Certainly, there likely is. But if you've watched my show for any length of time, you know my opinion is always the same. If you've done your bear market homework, you've de-risked, you've de-leveraged, and you position yourself with a long time horizon, you're going to be just fine. I don't give financial advice here, just my opinion. Now, after what was largely a negative sentiment here for Bitcoin, I also do have one sort of counterbalance on the scales to share, and that's a report that outlined a path to Bitcoin becoming a zero emissions network, eliminating the only remaining gripe that angry politicians and activists can really throw at Bitcoin today, and that is its energy consumption and emissions. And you know I have my very opinionated thoughts on that debate. Consumption does not equal emissions necessarily, and Bitcoin mining is very dependent on renewable energy already. Anyways, more on the story, less on my opinions. You've heard those before. This whole claim that Bitcoin could become carbon negative and zero emissions came from a report from Bitcoin mining proponent Daniel Batten, who postulated that using stranded methane gases and animal waste gases around the world to generate the energy required for Bitcoin mining or to power the compute resources for Bitcoin mining would not only reduce carbon emissions for Bitcoin by a significant margin, but it would also be consuming greenhouse gases like methane that would otherwise be released into the atmosphere and adding to the problem. Therefore, not only would Bitcoin's contribution to carbon emissions be reduced, Mining from these sources would also align Bitcoin mining's incentives with those who are seeking to reduce net greenhouse gas emissions from other sources. Not only that, but this energy could very well be far cheaper on a unit price basis, which helps miners reduce costs and lower the barrier to entry for mining. The more miners we have, especially diverse miners, the better we are in terms of security. This would be a boon for stamping out the often abused rhetoric from politicians, bankers, and other Bitcoin lambasting folks who use Bitcoin's energy consumption as a reason why it's no good or should be banned at worst. So research like this about how Bitcoin could be on a path to sustainability whilst maintaining its core engine in proof-of-work consensus is extremely valuable, and I hope this research continues personally. So I tip my hat to all the folks that are doing this research today. 
Now, I also want to take a moment to thank the sponsor of today's show, SmartFi, who offer crypto trading, interest, loans, and more as part of the suite of crypto products. SmartFi are, in fact, a registered money service business, or MSB, with the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, or FinCEN, and the core SMTF token in the SmartFi ecosystem is used to fund small business loans that generate interest for the platform. It's called SmartCycle. In this way, the SmartFi token is indexed to that demand for loans. SmartFi has a very interesting buyback program as well that allows certain registered purchases of the SMTF token to be refunded or bought back by SmartFi themselves. There are restrictions, of course, that apply to this policy, so make sure you read and understand those policies before you make or take any action on it. That said, please do continue to the links in the description to check out SmartFi, read more about it, learn about it, and of course, this is not a call to action to buy tokens of any kind. Please be aware of the risks in investing in all and any cryptocurrency. In other news, it looks like NFTs have hit rock bottom. Despite the continued hype that you might see on crypto Twitter, a recent report showed OpenSea, the top NFT exchange in the space, has dropped to complete rock-bottom lows in activity and volume, according to several on-chain data sources like Dune Analytics. The daily volumes range in the 5 to $7 million range, and monthly volumes are down 90% or more from peak during the end of 2021 and the beginning of 2022. It is very much a ghost town in the NFT markets, and not just on OpenSea and on Ethereum, but on virtually every platform, Cardano, Solana, etc. It's a really stark contrast to the frothiness that we saw just months ago for every form of digital collectible that you could find. And this is a reckoning that is much needed because a vast majority, 99 plus percent of all NFTs are complete and utter garbage with absolutely no prospect of investment value. And that's harsh, but to me, it's a harsh reality. And this fall back down to earth is something that will hopefully spur on innovation and push out the scumbags from the niche that simply want to absorb profits from people and provide zero value. The bear market has brought rock bottom for NFTs, and like fungibles before them, I predict a reinvigorated and revamped NFT market with more maturity to rise from the ashes here in the years to come. And speaking of maturity, the famous venture firm Andreessen Horowitz, A16Z for short, just released a proposal for a set of legal license language for NFTs based on the existing Creative Commons license that exists today. One of the biggest arguments for NFTs value are the exclusive rights to the content associated with each given NFT. And a framework for how those licenses for content may be managed will likely be a critical piece of the maturing NFT use case and application environment. Without these clear licenses, and rules, it's really just the Wild West, and there'll be continued legal battles as to how NFTs and their associated content are going to be managed and what rights come with the purchase of these digital assets, especially when they're being bought for hundreds of thousands of dollars. A16Z's proposed licenses are, by their own description, designed to, quote, help NFT creators protect or release their intellectual property rights, to grant NFT holders a baseline of rights that are irrevocable, enforceable, and easy to understand, and to help creators, holders, and their communities unleash the creative and economic potential of their projects with a clear understanding of the IP framework in which they can work. I applaud this effort, and I've left a link in the description to the source content here so you can read these licenses language yourself. Hopefully we'll get some awesome open source collaboration on standards for this going forward and all align together as a community what the future holds for these particular licenses and how we want to manage NFTs uh, at a holistic level. 
Now, it's no secret that Ethereum's transaction fees, particularly for NFTs, have been brutal over the years. And even through the bear market that's reduced volume and those fees, it's still too expensive for many users to use Ethereum's layer one blockchain for their day-to-day decentralized application usage. This has driven demand for layer twos, which provides scalability and low fees, and then deriving security from the layer one Ethereum blockchain, it becomes the best of both worlds in many ways for the average user. One such layer two is called Arbitrum, an optimistic rollup that bundles transactions on the layer two in bulk, rolls them up into a cryptographic proof and publishes those proofs on the Ethereum mainnet for the finality and security that comes with it. Now, a huge upgrade has just been made to Arbitrum. Dubbed Nitro, this upgrade lifts the lid on transactions per second performance and further drives down the already low transaction fees. With Nitro, Arbitrum offers fees in the single and double digit cents and plenty of transaction throughput for even transaction hungry DeFi applications. Nitro, which was just launched smoothly a few days ago here at the very beginning of September, is now humming along and the future for Arbitrum looks very bright as a result. So I'll be looking to Arbitrum and applications native to it to be picking up steam as we head into the next cycle of growth for crypto and better yet, There's no token for Arbitrum, so there's no conflict of interest here. It's a utility, not a speculative token play. So congratulations to the Arbitrum team, Offchain Labs, for this huge accomplishment. I will be watching and rooting on Arbitrum. My friends, you know what time it is now? It is 4.04. That is 4.04 Logic Not Found, a firecracker of a segment on the show where we bring attention to illogical happenings in the crypto space. And if you want to help this show get some attention, please hit the like button get subscribed, follow the podcast, share it with your friends. All of that's much appreciated and really does help. It's hard to get views in the bear market, so help a guy out. So today's illogical soup du jour is related to the latest move from the renowned decentralized exchange DYDX to integrate biometric verification or liveness checks as part of their optional compliance programs. In effect, DYDX recently held a promotion that would reward new users a 25 USDC bonus on a 500 USDC deposit if they were willing to agree to a webcam-based liveness check face scan. Now, the reasoning for the liveness check scan in this promotion was to check if the user was already using another DYDX account. But of course, many raised red flags here as to why this was even offered in the first place. As a decentralized exchange platform, DYDX does have its own centralized elements that are meant to meet compliance requirements and regulatory requirements. And we've known about this since the jump. However, this move to suddenly offer and incentivize face scans, biometrics, with really very little information on how the data is to be used, why it's collected, how the data is collected, how it's going to be stored for how long, etc., is just really out of place and very concerning. That was the first thing I thought of when I saw this news break. If you're DYDX, you must release a very clear document and FAQ outlining your policies on this stuff, laying out how the data is collected, how it's used, how it's stored, how it's deleted, and when. Without that, speculation runs rampant, and oh boy, has it run rampant. You have this whole ethical dilemma of basically bribing people with 25 bucks to consent to a face scan which to me is a pretty rough sell no matter which way you slice it. This just doesn't have a place here. Even if the face scans were to ensure that new users claiming the promo were in fact net new users, not existing people creating new accounts to claim, then just don't offer promos and don't verify people's faces, right? 
I mean, it doesn't even make sense because if an existing user who has never face scanned before creates a new account and then face scans, they still get to collect 25 USDC with their second account because they don't already have a face scan on the platform, right? So it's just not adding up to me. Whichever way you slice it, whether it's just poor decision-making, poor communication, poor product market fit, something more, it's just a bad move and one that completely disregards the privacy of DYDX users. And this story will surely develop more over time and we're gonna learn more about it. But for now, it's nothing more than a 404 logic not found of epic privacy disrespecting proportions in my humble opinion. And with that, my friends, let's switch over, switch gears to look at some questions that folks submitted from last week's show. And remember, if you want a question of yours featured on the show in the future, leave them in the YouTube comments or tweet me at Hashoshi4. I think all of our questions today are, in fact, from Twitter. Uh, so make sure you are following me on Twitter and that you submit your questions on Twitter. I usually call for questions directly on Twitter on Saturdays. So that's a really great place to get your question answered. So the first question of the day is from Alok Kumar. Rampager Z on Twitter. Do you expect another dip of Bitcoin down to 17K or below? When do you think this bloodbath will stop and we will go towards reversals? What are the factors you take into consideration? So I've said in recent predictions that I do believe we are going to see Bitcoin touch into that upper 10Ks. It could even go into the lower 10Ks if we hit a perfect storm here in terms of all the confluence of factors we talked about in today's video and some of the recent crypto over coffee videos as well now i would say if i had to choose a bottom and i had to say where bottom is going to be i think it's more so going to be in that upper half of the 10k range so we're looking at 16 17 000. that's my opinion but really my opinion is about as good as a guess right i'm kind of throwing darts here because it's really hard to predict with any certainty where th where this is going to bottom out if you're already positioned for a long-term bear market, then you're not super worried about where Bitcoin's gonna, gonna bottom. So this is all speculation. I do believe that this, uh, as, as Alok referred to it, this bloodbath, uh, when we'll stop, that is, is probably going to be in 2023 or 2024. And I know people don't wanna hear that, but there's so many things stacked against risk assets of all kind, especially uh, of Bitcoin and Ether and cryptocurrencies, which are about the riskiest asset classes that you can possibly think of right now. And the reason for that is because we have no conditions right now in terms of our macroeconomic conditions, in terms of the willingness of retail to invest in cryptocurrency. And to be honest with you, even though there is some institutional demand, it's not enough to single-handedly drive the market up to uh, to, to new heights, right? Or to stem the tide here. The biggest issue that I see is that we are below a $1 trillion market cap net in crypto and that there is not enough money flowing into this space. It's flowing out of the space to sustain upwards price growth. That is the biggest thing. So I think we see 2023 or 2024 as the time where things shift, but it's not gonna shift until the Federal Reserve and other central banks around the world change course because as they're tightening, as they're tapering, as they're releasing assets from their balance sheet, we're just gonna be up against so many headwinds, it's gonna be really hard to, to move past. So that's my belief. Make sure you're de-risking. That's the number one. Survival here is key. All right, the next question is from Jerbear. Zero X, Jerbear. Uh, thoughts on Ergo long-term? 
Ergo, this is an interesting one. I think Ergo from a technology perspective, just pure technology perspective, is one of the more impressive projects that's out there outside of the normal day-to-day -day topics of conversations in the L1, layer one blockchain ecosystem. I think that Ergo has found a really delicate balance of some of the, the sort of key pillars in this space things like consensus mechanisms, how you can cleverly integrate proof of work, how you can manage uh, the balance between different formats for the base accounting level of the ledger, UTXOs and account-based, and finding the sweet spot of combining all these technologies to achieve a given goal. The thing that I think Ergo really needs to work on is communications to the average user. There's a, there are a lot of people, uh, especially people that are... Uh, interested in Cardano and other projects like it that are very much focused on scientific method, formal verification, uh, the slow and methodical approach, the very uh, academic approach to crypto, same with Algorand. Those are the same community members that really gravitate towards Ergo. The issue that a lot of these projects have is that, and Cardano has gotten a lot better at this recently, but there's not enough communication at that base level for people that don't understand the deepest of the deep technology stuff. And so Ergo really needs to work on that as they are really good at building things and delivering things. Generally, you need to be able to communicate what those things mean. You need to focus on user experience as well. And so there are things to work on throughout this bear market that can set Ergo up for success long term. I did have a conversation with uh, Alex Chapernoy, uh, one of the leaders there, a founder at, uh, at Ergo, way back when and maybe it's worth having another conversation at some point with someone from ergo maybe i'll bring somebody else on the channel just to give someone else an opportunity to speak to the community but if you have suggestions and you're a fan of ergo if you have suggestions for who you would like to see on the show from the project someone that wants to talk about the tech and or the functional components of it please let me know and i would be more than happy to prioritize getting somebody on the show from ergo to talk a little bit more about it and with that, folks, that is going to do it for Crypto Over Coffee today. If you have some time to stick around, I've got another video, which I'll link right here about crypto that you're going to want to watch. And most of all, I want to wish you and your family a wonderful rest of your weekend. If you're in the U.S., a long weekend. So happy Labor Day. And until next time, cheers.